New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. We all have aspirations and intentions for our best lives. Yet these often go by the wayside as we get lost in unconscious mental and emotional reactivity, fear, and our own personal woundedness. We get caught up in self-judgment, blaming others, living on autopilot, as the saying goes. This makes for a big gap between what's possible and how we're actually living our lives. The good news is there is a healing process available to us that opens us to our inner radiance. This process is called the RAIN process, and it reminds us to pause and reconnect with a wise and compassionate presence that allows us to align our lives with our hearts. Today, we'll be exploring that process with our guest, Dr. Tara Brock. Dr. Tara Brock is an internationally known teacher of mindfulness, meditation, emotional healing, and spiritual awakening. She's a senior teacher and founder of Insight Meditation Center of Washington, D.C., and produces a weekly podcast. She's the author of many books, including True Refuge, Finding Peace and Freedom in Your Own Awakened Heart. Radical Acceptance, Embracing Your Life with the Heart of a Buddha. And Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of Rain. Join us for the next hour as we explore a life-changing tool to open our awareness with love and healing with our guest, Dr. Tara Brock. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Tara, welcome. My pleasure to be with you, Justine. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here as well. I would like for our listeners to know a little bit about you. If you could kind of go back and tell a little bit of your story, how you even came to this process. Sure. Well, I started off when I was in college as a social activist, and I had plans to go to law school, and I took a kind of very sharp turn in the path when I got introduced to yoga and meditation. And one of the things that most caught me was that in the social activism, we all kind of had clenched fists and a lot of loud voices, and yet we weren't, in a way, embodying the change that we really, really were longing for. And so I saw in uh, meditation 
this possibility of really transforming consciousness in a way that could transform our world. And we need activism, but we need to be able to come into an intimacy with our inner life and each other first. And so I began on a spiritual path, and one of the first things I encountered was how at war I was with myself. I realized what I've come to term as the trance of unworthiness, which was that I kind of evaluated myself in almost every relationship, anything I did, my body, my eating, as in some way really deficient, falling short. And so I started looking for how I could have meditation help me to really trust my goodness and really be at home in my own skin and with the world. And the practice of RAIN came out of that. I, I found over the years that mindfulness, being able to notice what was going on in my body and my heart and my awareness without judgment, that's mindfulness, um, really brought me into the present moment. And then the practices of compassion, of being able to regard with kindness what I was uh, feeling, actually were quite freeing. And so RAIN is simply a weave of mindfulness and compassion. And over these last 15 years, I've kind of refined the steps of RAIN so that probably more people write me notes about how RAIN has saved their life than any other thing I teach because it gives a very handy, kind of easy-to-remember tool for being with ourselves when we're really caught in fear or shame or anger or hurt. Which is often the case. I mean, we're going around, as I said in the introduction, uh, that we're we're kind of going around in this trance uh, easily and not aware of how reactive we are in our lives. That's exactly right. It's interesting that Joseph Campbell has an image of awareness as this great circle with a line going through it. And he says, everything below the line is what we're not aware of. And everything above the line is what we're aware of. And the practices of mindfulness and compassion bring us above the line. They bring into the light of awareness the parts of ourselves, the the loneliness and the fear and the hurts that we've been pulling away from and bring them fully into consciousness, which is the one place where we can transform them and discover in a more true way who we are. Well, let's go into RAIN for a little bit. So RAIN is R-A-I-N. You're using that, and that's a very easy acronym to remember. So what what do the letters stand for, Tara? Sure. The R is recognize. And so if I'm anxious, for example, the R of RAIN means just to recognize, okay, anxious right now. And the A is allow. And that means instead of trying to run away from it or fix it or judge it, we just create a pause and say, okay, I'm allowing this to be here just as it is right now. And that gives us the chance to begin to move to the I, which is investigate. And contrary to what some people think, investigating is not a cognitive or analytic process. It's not like, well, my mother always treated me in a certain way, and now I always am finding my, in my friendships that I'm finding the people that act like she did. It's not that. Investigate means somatically discovering in our body what's going on. And we're all 
to some degree disassociated and, you know, the issues are in our tissues. So it really, investigate is where we start bringing our attention into our body and feeling where the feelings are and so on. The N of RAIN is nurture, which means whatever we find, we start bringing a quality of care or kindness to that. And we might nurture from our own high self or awake heart, you know, nurture ourselves or our hurting part. Or we might sense a way to feel a quality of nurturing from the larger universe. And either way, nurturing's key. As one uh, attachment psychologist described it, this is Luis Cozzolino, he said, it's not that we're the survival of the fittest, we're the survival of the nurtured. We really need nurturing. So um, that reconnects us. So the end of rain is nurturing. And then there's what I call after the rain, which is in quotes, which is really key because that's when we take some moments to sense the shift that's happened from the kind of trapped, trance-like self that's anxious to a more spacious quality of compassion and presence. And as we get familiar and after the rain with that shift, we start recognizing that's more the truth of who we are than any of the narratives or stories of what was wrong with us. So I, I want to go more deeply into that. So you're, you're really telling rain, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, and then after the rain, be in the presence of that awareness. And so um, going back, uh, can you give us an example, like recognize, um, where you're you're really talking about? We're looking at what is happening in inside me. I mean, is is that what you're recognize? Maybe um, not a deep recognition as much as just the noticing of what's most predominant in the moment. Oh, so how I'm do stuck. we stop? How do we stop ourselves, like in the moment, if we're feeling really, let's say, something, ha- all right, good example of me. I get triggered by technology. And when it's not working, and I have to make a phone call, and then I get on that loop, and, there, and the, the bot is asking me questions that don't really apply, and all right, I'm triggered. <laughs> So in those moments, what's the strongest emotion you're aware of? Frustration, a combination of frustration and anger. Okay. So that's where you start. You say, okay, I'm triggered, frustration and anger. And now rain takes a few, minimally a few minutes. And if it's a very deep issue, you might want to give yourself more time. But you would say, okay, frustrate, frustrated and anger. And then you'd pause and say, okay, I'm just going to let it be here right now. And sometimes what I say in that pause of allowing is, this belongs. Meaning, this is a natural wave in the ocean. You know, it's just, it's just part of the way this nervous system is right now. So I'll say, this belongs. And that immediately creates more of a real pause. There's a wonderful line uh, from Viktor Frankl, which is, Between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your power and your freedom. So for you, you're triggered by technology and something in you goes, okay, 
anger and frustration, and then you say, okay, just let's let it be here for a moment. That pause will allow you to be able to respond more creatively. So you, then you investigate and you sense, well, where is it in my body right now? And you might feel a real clenching in your chest and you might find your heart is pounding. You might ask when you investigate, well, what am I believing right now? And maybe you're believing something like, if I can't figure this out or get through this, I'll never get something important done and I'll fail. So there's some sense of, I'm going to fail if I can't work this out. Right. We're always working against a clock, so to speak. I don't have enough time. Right. And something's really bad. It's going to go wrong. Right. And then as you investigate, you as well, there's also some fear in here. Because underneath that frustration and anger, there's some fear that something's really going to go wrong. You'll never get out of that loop. You'll never find your way, that kind of thing. And then you feel the fear in you and you start realizing, wow, this happens a lot. You know, there's that I go through a lot of moments kind of caught in this clench. And then, and often I invite people as they're investigating to put their hand on the part of their body where they're feeling things to help stay somatically connected. That's actually the beginning of nurturing. I will go on with this in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Tara Brock, and she's the author of Radical Compassion learning to love yourself and your world with the practice of RAIN. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, tarabrock.com, and she spells her name T-A-R-A, her last name B-R-A-C-H, tarabrock.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to new dimensions. I'm here with Tara Brock, and she's the author of Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of RAIN. And we're talking about that practice, RAIN, and we're just beginning to unpack it a bit. And we were talking about recognizing, and you you just we left off where you said when we're feeling this frustration or anxiety or whatever that emotion, you you did emotion where you put your hand on your heart. And and what does that do? What, what were you suggesting that that was helpful with? Well, as we're investigating, we start feeling our, into our body where we're feeling things. Because as I mentioned, um, you can't really untangle 
an emotional issue unless you can feel it in your body. Um, we pay attention to the throat, the chest, the belly. And if you feel, as you described in your example, you're feeling frustrated and angry and you feel that kind of um, pressure at the chest and your heart pounding, and if you begin, if you place your hand gently where you feel the feelings on your heart, it helps to keep your attention there so you can begin to unpack what's going on. I, I think for me, in that moment, I just want to scream out. I mean, here I'm talking to an artificial intelligence that cannot respond to me. And I think it's my throat chakra, that my throat, where I just want to just scream. Okay, perfect. So you've recognized frustrated, angry, you have allowed it, you've said, okay, I'm going to let it be here. And then as you investigate, you're feeling your throat, you might put your hand gently on your throat and then just start breathing and staying still and just begin to investigate. And again, you might say, you know, what's the worst thing about this? What is it that's really um, most triggering me about this? What am I afraid is going to happen? Uh, you might sense into it, what am I believing? I often ask myself when I'm investigating, what am I believing right now? Because you might say for yourself, what are you believing when you're really triggered on that loop? That's so good. You're really helping me because this, I can work with all sorts of uh, human contacts, but when I'm with an AI contact, I'm not being heard or having the opportunity to be heard and I can't get to a real person. Perfect. So, and what's the worst thing about not being heard? So then I'm invisible. You're invisible? Okay, and what's that like when you feel invisible and not heard? So just discarded, just uh, dismissed, just uh, un un unworthy. Um, all sorts of, everything comes up when you're, when you're not seen, uh, and you're just sort of in, disappears in the woodwork. So for right now, keeping your hand on your throat, and you might even close your eyes and breathe with it and sense that that artificial intelligence isn't seeing you, isn't hearing you, that all the feelings that come up with that of unworthy, discarded, and just feel what you feel. Like, what's it really like in your body? What's the most vulnerable feeling that comes up for you? When you can't get through, you're not seen, you're not heard. Where I feel it is like in my shoulders and my fist, I want to fight. Okay, so it brings up the want to fight feeling. Yeah. Yeah, so you feel that surge of anger again. And if you stayed with that and you paused again, because often with rain it'll loop, you'll sense you've recognized anger, you've allowed it, you've gotten in touch with that not seen feeling, then the anger comes up again, so you recognize it and allow it, and you feel your shoulders right now, and you might again close your eyes and feel your shoulders and keep your hand, you know, on your body some, and sense what most wants attention about this? What really most wants attention? Well, then I feel some tears, and I feel my heart. That, that's where I feel it now in my body when you instructed me to close my eyes and do that. So stay with that for a moment. Let's keep going. Why don't you put your hand on your heart then and feel the tears and say, what is it? What's the worst thing about that? 
what really is the worst part of this? Feeling unloved. Unloved. So stay and let the feeling of unloved be there. And just sense what that part of you most needs right this moment. What does that part most need from you, from this world? And what's your sense? So that really takes me to that last word, nurture. Yeah. And I don't need it. I know from my own personal work, I don't need it from the outside. Yeah. But I need to nurture myself. In that moment, as I'm sitting on hold yeah. <laughs> with those technology, yeah. I can just stop, get, take that moment to nurture myself. So here's the question. What is the message from your own wise heart that most would bring comfort right in these moments? What's the message you really need to hear? That I am lovable, that I am enough, that I have time. It's all okay, right in the moment, I'm fine, there's a roof over my head. Okay, okay, good. So yeah. now put your, again, keep your hand on your heart mm-hmm. and offer yourself the part of that message that most feels alive and true right here, that would most touch the vulnerable part of you. And actually feel with your touch let it, the touch be tender that you're sending that message through your hand right into the part of you that most needs to hear it. And notice what happens. So what I feel is being held. Mm. Being mm. held. I feel really comforted that I am held, really, truly held, that I'm not alone. So stay with that for the last few moments, Justine, that feeling of being held. And feel it through your whole body, through your energy body, your whole spirit just held. And this is what we call after the rain. Just sense the difference and the shift from the self that was feeling uh, so unable to get through, so not heard, not seen, so angry, to the space right now that you're in touch with. Beautiful. Really, truly, you just took me through a seemingly simple process, but it really gave me the opportunity to transform, truly, to transform that. Because all day yesterday, I was working with technology. My engineer knows this. I wrote them. I said, whoops, I'm going into this. And it was eight hours later, I came out of it. (laughs) So I... I really thank you. It was really up for me, a real thing, and I feel it. I can now, I can, I hope, I I will call on this when this comes up, because it's going to come up again. It will come up again, and here's the secret. Whatever we practice gets stronger. So if you practice getting, hitting a wall with technology and getting angry and frustrated, you'll strengthen the neural pathways of anger and frustration. If Each time that you hit that wall, instead, you just recognize it by naming it. Okay, frustrated, angry. Allow, just give it a little space. Investigate by feeling again where it is in your body and just simply offering a gentle message to yourself. If you keep doing that, and and this is a thing, our ways of getting stuck, we have gone through thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So it takes some rounds of rain 
to be able to train the mind and heart in a different way. So do it many times, but it doesn't have to be long. Um, I have found I can do a light rain on things. It takes a minute or so where I just, in, where I in some way find my way back to being kind towards myself and then resting and after the rain and sensing, okay, this is the presence that's really home for me. Many rounds though, and that really shifts things. Got it. Really practice it. And then it becomes like that little short practice because you've really, as uh, Rick Hansen would say, you've installed it. You've installed it. You've that installed I, it. I love, I love that language because it's true in terms of neural pathways. The more rounds, the stronger the pathways are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I want to go back to allow because like if if we're feeling a strong emotion like anger or frustration, so to allow, I'd love for you to expand on what you mean by allow, because some, sometimes we might say, oh, isn't that going to make me feel more angry and, and just kind of reinforce the anger? Um, it actually might, but that doesn't mean it's a problem if we're willing to stay present. So... I think of allow as another way of saying yes to the moment. We're saying yes to the actuality that anger is here. And all emotions have a kind of a, a sign or a vector. And they, they go up, they rise, they peak, and they go down. They, everything passes. Um, neuroscientists say that it takes about 1.5 minutes unless we're thinking and perpetuating and fueling the emotion. So if instead of fueling it, you recognize anger and, and then allow it, then it may get stronger because you may have caught it just as it was rising, but it comes and it goes and you become more of the witness or the presence to it than caught up in the storyline. So you're saying you're, you're noticing it, you recognize it, you allow it, and then you do something with it that is other than feeding it. Exactly, because the way we feed anger is we keep on um, running our negative blaming stories. So if instead of running the stories that are fueling it, we actually open to it as a bodily set of sensations, it'll come and go. Now, sometimes the anger needs more investigation. And that's, if it doesn't just come and go, but it's really got a tangle to it, for instance, with yours, it really went right into some older issues around not being seen and heard. Then it requires the investigating, where we might ask a question like, what am I believing? And we might keep on feeling into our body until the deeper, more vulnerable parts of ourselves can unfold. Typically, under anger there's either hurt or fear. So if we can give it time and investigate, we get more to the roots, and that's the only way that we can heal. But you're not talking about just cognitively figuring it out psychologically. You're talking, you said earlier, um, the issues live in our tissues. So that's a very different sort of way of approaching it. You're approaching it on a a whole physiological level. Is that right? Exactly right. And I'm glad you repeated that one because while there are some 
for some of the inquiry we use in investigation involves cognition, we want to keep coming back over and over to where the emotion lives in the body. So I might ask a question like, what am I believing right now? And I might realize, oh, I'm believing that right now um, I actually am falling short and I'm not speaking clearly and people aren't going to get what I'm saying. And so I might feel that. We'll talk more about that feeling, that belief in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners I'm here with Tara Brock, and she is the author of Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of Rain. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Tara Brock, and she's the author of Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of Rain. And Tara, we were just talking about beliefs that live in the tissue, and you were... Yeah, yeah, I gave as an example. Let's say um, I am having a belief that I'm falling short in this moment, and I've asked myself the question, what am I believing then I'll want to come right back into my body and say, okay, so how does that feel when I'm believing that? If I really believe I'm failing, oh, that sinking feeling, that ache, that soreness right here in my heart. So we come right back to where we feel it in the body. And as I describe in Radical Compassion, because it's really kind of a, a manual for RAIN, um, there's a lot of really powerful questions we can ask with investigation. And we want to keep looping back into the body to where we find the response to those questions. And I'll share with you some of the questions I think are the most important to remember. And one is, um, you know, where am I feeling this in my body? Another is, um, what, what am I believing right now? Another question is, what is this vulnerable place most need? And that's the question I asked you, Justine, because that is where we begin to transition to nurturing. When we ask that question, what does this part of me most need right now? Or how does this place want me to be with it? That's when we start tapping into that deeper part of us that knows, oh, we want nurturing in some form or other. We want nurturing. Now, it might be nurturing as in, Um, embracing and holding, and it might be nurturing as in um, a message saying, you know, you can trust yourself, you're, you're really okay. Or it might be nurturing as in forgive yourself, forgive yourself, or accept yourself. But it's some form of kindness that we discover in that, in that place. And it's only when we've really nurtured ourselves that we can then rest in after the rain, which will actually be the presence that emerges when there's really been kindness. That's a whole field that's available to us, the field of kindness, isn't it? And in these days, we're bombarded with all sorts of energies that 
that want to take us away from kindness. I mean, we have a lot of opportunities to react. Exactly. And so you're saying to come back to the body, feel it in the body, and allow it, and then go to a nurturing place, a self-nurturing. We can do that. The, the thing that I have found again and again is that the nurturing will not come naturally unless we have honestly contacted the vulnerability. So that's why investigating is so important. Because if we say, okay, I'm recognizing and allowing that I'm angry, or I'm recognizing and allowing that I'm afraid or anxious, but we don't feel it fully in our bodies, the natural tenderness in response to ourselves doesn't arise. So there's a key piece in there that we have to feel our vulnerability. I'll give you an example in my own life. Oh, please. Yeah, well, I, I spent a number of years where I was in a spiral, a downward spiral of illness. And I got really caught in it. I, was, um, I have a dis- disease, a genetic disorder that has to do with connective tissue, and I was losing my mobility. And, it was, and I had no reason to believe I was going to come out of it. And so during that, and by the way, I'm much, much better now for many reasons. But during that time, um, I would hit all sorts of kind of walls where I'd feel irritable and impatient and angry and then really down on myself for not being the kind of spiritual sick person. I had an idea of how I should be being sick. And I remember when I started doing RAIN with that. And it was really a deep trance of unworthiness. And um, I, would, I would notice how I was, you know, angry and irritable, and I'd allow it. And then I'd start investigating. And again and again, I'd find that belief, I'm failing. I'm not doing this right. You know, I've t- I talk all the time about being able to be with different things going on in our lives. But here I am, all small-minded and uptight. And then... As I'd investigate, I'd actually let myself like feel in my body that sense of failure. And sometimes I invite people to actually take the posture of failure or take the posture of anger and, you know, with your fists and your face and everything. And I'd really let myself feel that failure. And then I would ask myself, how long have I been feeling this? And I'd realize all the moments in my life that I've been caught in that trance of unworthiness. And it was then that I could feel a real sense of sorrow and wanting to nurture. When I realized, how many of our life moments have we sacrificed to being down on ourselves? How many life moments when we could have felt intimate with others or enjoyed the night sky, have we been turned on ourselves? And when I could sense the the kind of loss of life moments to this trance of unworthiness, that's when I could put my hand on my heart and say, it's okay, sweetheart. And I often offer some sort of a phrase that is is tender towards myself as a way to, you know, really express that compassion. And so when I can do that and really feel that wash of, of tenderness towards myself, then I could relax into after the rain where I realized... I'm not the failing self that's doing sickness wrong. I'm this compassionate presence, this field of compassionate presence, and it's a hard time, you know? And the gift of rain 
is the shift in identity. Because we go from, in some way, being in a reactive trance and believing in a limited self, believing in it that we're an angry self or an endangered self or a blaming, judging self or whatever it is, we, we shift from that to this um, formless space of kindness and wakefulness, which is really the freedom that's described in every spiritual path. So what I'm getting from what you're saying is that when we're in that reactive trance, we, um, we feel so separated from that, that ocean of loving, kindness, compassion, whatever that ocean is that's, that we're actually living in. We're swimming in that ocean, but we, we kind of put this bubble around ourselves and just think that we got to do it all ourselves rather than, I guess when I think, when you say vulnerability, I think, oh, that bubble just burst and then we feel, we sink into that ocean of compassion. Well, I love the metaphor of ocean and waves. Um, When we're stuck, we're identifying with a very limited set of waves. We're identifying with the anger that's coming up in the moment or the frustration or the shame. For me, the sense of failure. And that defines the self. And when we take the time to bring the mindfulness and compassion of rain to what's going on, we rediscover our oceanness. And that's the gift. Uh, And what happens when we don't bring mindfulness and compassion is that we keep on moving through our life as a very limited cluster of waves. And it blocks intimacy with our inner life, it blocks intimacy with each other, and it prevents us from being creative and spontaneous because we're living in a very small set of patterns. One of the stories that you use, a teaching story, let's say, in the book, is about the Golden Buddha. So maybe you could share that story because I think it has something to do with what you're talking about. Well, I'm glad you're mentioning it. It's it's one of the stories that's most affected my life, actually. The story is that in Southeast Asia, there was a very, very massive statue of the Buddha, not particularly handsome or beautiful, but people loved it for its staying power. It had endured through centuries of changing governments and through wars and battles and weather, changing weather and so on. But in the 1950s, some cracks appeared in it. And enterprising uh, monk took a flashlight and peered inside the cracks. And what shone back was the gleam of gold. And so they started taking off the plaster clay that was, that was the covering, as it turns out, and discovered it was the largest solid gold Buddha in Southeast Asia. And the monks believed that in prior generations that um, it had been covered over to protect it through really through through a war where they thought that it would be stolen. And they believed that it's the same way that we cover over our gold as we enter a difficult life. And every one of us is entering a society where there is dividedness and addiction and um all sorts of ignorance and reactivity. So we cover over our gold. And the suffering comes when we get identified with the coverings so that we get identified with 
the self that is trying to promote itself in a competitive way, or we get identified with our appearance, or we get identified with our defensiveness or our judgments or whatever the ego um, system is that we're using to try to promote and defend ourselves. And the freedom comes when we start seeing that and holding it with compassion. It's not our fault that we're judgmental, and it's not our fault that we get angry or frustrated, and it's not our fault that we get defensive. We're just trying to make it on the planet. And so when we can see it and hold it with compassion, then that covering starts getting more transparent, and we start trusting the gold that's always been and is and always will be our deepest nature. So, Tara, what you're talking about, it's not airy-fairy, scummy the high, you know, oh, everything is lovely and we're just, uh, I'm going to bliss out. You're talking about something very practical, on-the-ground practicality of how to really deal with the frustrations and the unconscious, as you say, below-the-line behavior of reactivity and and all the the strong emotions that just automatically, our habitual automatic habits of reaction to going, living above the line and being conscious. Exactly. It's recognizing that it's conditioning and we did not get born on the planet and sign up for, oh, I'll be, I'd like the conditioning that makes me neurotic and makes me controlling (laughs) and makes me obsessive and I'd like to be the worry one. You know, we don't sign up for these things. These are just the ways our nervous system is trying to make it through. And one of my favorite um, descriptions of how that happens is if you imagine that you're on a walk in the woods and you see a dog under a tree and you go, oh, I'm going to pet that dog and say hello. And then the dog lurches at you and its fangs are bared and it's ferocious. And you go from being friendly to, oh, angry and bad dog and and being afraid. But then you see that the dog's leg is in a trap. And then you shift again and you go, oh, you poor thing. Well, and you might not go and pet it because it's dangerous, but your heart is open. Well, when we act in ways that are defensive or aggressive or other people do, our legs are in a trap. I'm here with Dr. Tara Brock, and she's the author of Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of Rain. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Tara Brock, and she is the author of Radical Compassion, 
learning to love yourself and your world with the practice of RAIN. And Tara, I'd like to talk about how RAIN fits in with the evolutionary human growth of our species and and our growing capacity for empathy and self-awareness and and how this can be taken out in the world as well. Wonderful, because I love the evolutionary perspective. And it's so interesting to me that um, for millions of years, we're hunter-gatherers, but in the last uh, 10 to 20,000 years, we kind of had a, a spurt, you know, in our in our growth, and we were able to experience compassion and collaboration beyond just kin. In other words, we really had we're starting to widen the circles of compassion. And as uh, Pinker says in uh, Better Angels of Your Nature, um, there has been le- increasingly less violence in, over the last few centuries. The trajectory is a movement from I, or feeling of separateness, to we, a feeling of belonging. You know, Mother Teresa says that if we're suffering, it's because we've forgotten our belonging. And I look at radical compassion as pathways of remembering that we belong to each other's hearts and that our trajectory as a species is in that direction towards we and we can facilitate it. In other words, compassion is already hardwired and what we're finding, especially neuroscience is showing in the last 10, 15 years, is we can directly facilitate the growth of caring. We can care more and widen the circles. And I see it with rain all the time. I mean, I'm thinking right now of one man, because you brought up anger earlier, who had, um, he had a really difficult time with anger and his, it was affecting his family and his employees and so on. And um, so he started practicing with rain and he, um, you know, he would, be able to feel the anger rising, and and now and then he could pause. But it was hard because anger is, you know, a very compelling energy. But I want to share one of his um, successes because it just totally touched me. And he he had a man at work who ran one of his groups and had come met with him and 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 shared with him, look, we're behind schedule and I know this is going to affect the, you know, I, I know this is going to affect your the whole contract we're in. And typically this man I'm talking about would have absolutely blown a stack and attacked right in the moment. But he paused. And in that pause, he noticed this guy was being really honest and he remembered that he had just been with them a long time and he was a really decent being. And so when the man told him that, instead of pouncing on him, he said, look, I'm sure you're trying the best you can. The guy was stunned. He said, you know, I wasn't going to tell you this, but my wife has fourth degree breast cancer, and it's been a really difficult time. And Justine, these, these two men hugged in that moment. This, this was not part of the culture of their office. And he told me it was a moment where he was actually the human he wanted to be. And that if he hadn't been practicing to just recognize and allow and pause and and feel in his body and so on, he would have ended up causing more suffering to somebody who was already in a very, very painful situation. I have seen over and over again how not only does rain 
awaken our self-compassion, but it gives us the pause and the deepened quality of presence that lets us see the vulnerability in others and respond with kindness. I see it over and over, it widening the circles. And I think of um, Jarvis Masters, who's uh, been a prisoner out here in San Quentin for so long, and he has this beautiful phrase, that bird has my wings. That bird has my wings. That's to say that everybody we meet in the deepest way does not want to suffer and wants to be happy and wants to love and be loved and wants to belong. And that if we can remember that, if we can move through life and, and see that everybody's struggling hard and see the vulnerability, we're going to respond with kindness. And RAIN trains us to do that, not just with our inner life, but once we practice RAIN for ourselves, we can begin to look at another person and recognize and allow what's going on for them and deepen our investigation and ask that question. Um, there's a civil rights activist, Ruby Sales, who has this question, where does it hurt? We can begin to investigate and sense for another person, where does it hurt? And we can begin to send our care energetically or through our smile or a hug or in some form in a way that really can transform our world. And now that um, you tell a story on yourself, you mentioned Ruby Sales, and, and you at one point were working with about uh, groups about racism. And it was a mixed uh, group of, of white people and African American and maybe others. And can you do you yeah, mind? Let me see this? if I can do a capsule summary that with one woman, one African American woman got very upset with me because I wanted to have a little more space between meetings because I was going through a period of real sickness. And I was really upset with her because she wasn't sensitive to the fact that I was really struggling with my health. And so I remember doing rain on the, you know, after the conversation was done and I could bring compassion to myself and underneath the anger feel the hurt. And, and then I started to try to bring rain to her and I got really stuck. I could not sense, well, how possibly could she have acted that way? And then I talked to a mutual friend, another woman of color, and she said, you know, for you, this work you're doing together is voluntary. But for her, it's absolutely non-negotiable. It's, it's, she has to. It's, it's this life, is her life. life. That's right. For an African-American woman, this, you know, in our society, African-Americans are truly threatened all the time on some level. It's a bodily experience, as ta Coates puts it. It's a bodily experience of being threatened. And she had a, a grandson in jail and... So it woke me up to how my whiteness had biased me. First of all, just the, the power of my position to even say, let's not have our meetings so often, but also just the privilege of being able to participate in this, but not have it be a necessity. And I'll share with you one last piece, Justine, on this, which was my husband and I were on a vacation and we were swimming out to this island and I remember swimming and feeling, oh my gosh, I am pretty fit. My strokes were graceful and I felt strong and steady. But on the way back, it turned out I got exhausted and I just was, it was 
awkward and uncomfortable. I was really working on my breath. It turned out that I had been carried out by the currents. And then I realized so profoundly how my entire life as a white person is carried by currents of privilege and how not being aware of that cuts me off. It cuts me off. It gives me a a bubble of privilege, but it actually cuts me off from the realness of humans everywhere, that so many of us, because of our race, our religion, because of our sexual orientation or gender identity, are cut off. So just recognizing that was actually part of coming above the line in a way that really um, has enriched my life. So we're taking, what you're doing with RAIN is you're taking your meditation practice, but you're grounding it in some way, in, in, uh, in a way to participate in the world with yourself and with others. That's exactly right. It's RAIN with myself, RAIN in my relationships, and also bringing RAIN to our societal identities. It's beyond the individual to more of our social identity. So we really begin to sense the belonging that's possible that gets cut off when we haven't brought into the light of awareness the different ways that our bias and perception separate us. And I think that you said earlier about how there's less violence in the world. But what we're facing these days is more reporting on what violence there is. I think that's a really powerful observation, that we are more aware of the violence that is, and I think we're having a spike. In other words, even though there's a general decrease in violence, I think right now the world is in a, a spike of fear. And when humans have not, are unable to face and process fear, we become very dangerous. And so I think we have fear, which actually makes us greedier and more grasping, which makes us violate the earth in a way that is um, frightening and bringing up mourning and grief in all of us. And we're violating each other. The racism is spiking and tribal, tribalism is big right now. So there is a dividedness. But here's where I see the hope. Never in the history of humanity have so many people been consciously deliberately practicing in ways that can wake up their hearts and minds. And it's spreading very, very quickly. We can actually change the structure and function of our brain, and we can wake up our hearts to care more. So the I to we is happening. And just what we're talking about today, this is where it's possible for people all over to begin to sense we are friends. We belong to each other, not just humans non-human species too. We belong to this living web. Thank you so much for being with us, Tara. I've been speaking with Dr. Tara Brock, and she's the author of Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of Rain. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, tarabrock.com, and she spells her name T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H. TaraBrock.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3694. 
New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.